Hello, everybody, and it is time for episode 68 of Three Point Podcast. Three Point Podcast is our take on sports and pop culture from three different generations. I'm the grandpa, Ted the Sports Guy of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio in our Three Point Podcast studios here in the heart of Owasso, Michigan. 30-something, Matt Burns checks in by phone from ESPN in Charlotte, North Carolina. And on the other line from West Michigan is our youngster and college student, Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Before I mention our partners, guys notice how I uh, changed that up a little bit? There's been some, contro- yeah, There's been some controversy about, uh, uh, about millennials. You know, did you hear any of that? I, I think it's fair because... I've been getting a lot of shit on this podcast for being a quote-unquote millennial, but really it's Matt and his generation that's been screwing up America. I remember when that millennial term came out, it was controversial what you know what year actually fell into the millennial. So, Well, I think what bothers Jared is it, it's become kind of a negative thing that uh, when you call somebody a millennial, you know, it's like they're clueless. Right. <laughs> So let's keep Jared as a millennial, all right? <laughs> See, that's what I mean. It's like I just, I've been shafted into the, into the negative connotation that it's a millennial. Well, well, we'll we'll clear it up. We'll keep it cleared up like I introed it tonight. And by the way, I want to thank our advertising partners that include Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, and Card Service Michiana. Thanks also to our website partner, Sports Radio Detroit, and our friends at Midwest Sports Network. Well, the NFL draft gets underway Thursday night, and we're going to be checking in with Pierre from Pride Podcast, uh, part of the Midwest Sports Network, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, they're part of the MWSN Nation. So, yeah, that'll that'll be a cool conversation. All right, well, we're going to get it rolling right after these messages from our Three Point Podcast partners. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. Well, guys, let's start this off with uh, the Pistons. Now, the Pistons, as we record this, we're recording it on Monday night. They're down 3-0 to Milwaukee. No real surprises there. But, uh, you know, probably going to lose that series and be swept, I think. Uh, One of our correspondents, Casey from Mount Pleasant, was down at the game Saturday night. And here's his uh, email he sent to us at 3pointpod at gmail.com. 
I went down to Detroit Saturday night to check out the Pistons in their first ever playoff game at Little Caesars Arena. While the atmosphere around the arena was great before the game and during the first half, the crowd took a significant turn in the third quarter, booing the Pistons after every turnover, timeout, and missed bucket. I know it was a blowout, and they haven't won a game in this series yet, but seeing how this is the Pistons' first year in a long while being relevant in the NBA, let alone making the playoffs, it was weird hearing boos rain. I uh, wanted to hear your guys' thoughts on fans not being supportive of the Pistons in their first playoff games at LCA. Let's start it there, guys. Who wants to take it? Uh, they uh, let the boos rain down on this team. It was, it, yeah, like, Blake Griffin's the only one who really showed me something on Saturday. Everyone else is just like Andre Drummond. Was he throwing the game? I've seen. I've actually seen like two or three people tweet that out. Like, was he throwing the game for to pay off some gambling debts? What was going on out there? <laughs> The thing, it's like, but the thing is, it's like, I can't get mad at this current roster. They're kind of just dealing with what Scott, uh, Stan Van Gundy left behind. He really screwed us. When he was the GM, he basically sold, the, he burned the boats for last season with the whole Blake trade in general, just so that he could try to save his job. And it's just not fair how he was able to get fired and we still are paying him. Similar to like when I was younger. So let me tell a quick story, not to go off on a tangent, but when I was younger, me and my buddies, we used to walk across the street and chip and putt on the golf course greens. And for some reason, my friend decided he was going to take out his sand wedge and just take a chunk out of the middle of the green. Oh. So we were caught on the green, and I ended up having to, to clean up around the golf course and pull weeds out of rocks. I think Stan Van Gundy should have to pay the contract money that we are paying Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond out of his own contract. He's getting off scot-free in this whole scenario, and... It's like he had the complete last lap. He's getting paid. He put together his final last-ditch effort last season, and now we have to deal with the mess he created. No, I, I think that it is interesting to think about that. Like when a, a coach, and he was running the team too, he was coach and president or whatever his title was, uh, he made a bunch of terrible moves, and now, right, Dwayne Casey is having to deal with it. Yeah, they're back in the playoffs, and you know, I there's a side to me that I was actually like a little excited when I heard that it was it was basically a sellout, or it was a sellout at Little Caesars Arena. At the beginning of the game, you could see the energy. Everyone was excited. I thought that was actually really cool. I thought it was cool to see, hey, playoff, NBA playoff basketball, back in Detroit, Pistons are back in the playoffs. I didn't think they were about to, like, run the table and, and win this series, but I was like, hey, maybe they'll win one, give the fans something to cheer about. It was a little weird, like uh, our fan, our listener said, how, how quickly the fans turned into booing the team but i mean rightfully so because other than blake griffin like you said jared i mean it was a pretty it was just a pretty poor effort to me is what i saw i don't know if they're already a little checked out but i'm a little down on andre drummond i know a lot of people love the 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 rebounds that he gets and he has a bunch of 2020 games i think a lot of those stats are empty stats i think maybe i've said that on this podcast before i think he just his impact on the game isn't very strong and paying him the money and Reggie Jackson the money that they are is really holding holding the team back. Yeah, and I think I agree with Jared on one point that uh, Van Gundy really put him in a bad spot and it could be a while getting out. I mean, I give I give Casey credit for for getting this team and this roster to the playoffs in general. That that's pretty sweet. I do disagree with one thing Jared you said though and this has always bothered me to uh I I know fans they pay big money to go to games, but I'm more of a, a glass half full guy. If I'm going to go to a game, I just don't. I just it just does bug me to boo my team. You know what I mean? I mean boo the other team, 
but try to be supportive, you know. I mean, the, the, the players are human too, and, and they feed off the crowd. And if the crowd is positive and excited, you know, they're going to play better. I, I get the fact that they haven't been playing good. I mean, heck, if I'd have been a Detroit fan that traveled to Milwaukee for that first game debacle, I'd been booing that game. But it, it is, it is it, it just hits me in the wrong spot to see the home team booed. You're the reason that the Detroit Lions – and basically every single Detroit team is struggling right now. That may it's, be. It's the loser mentality you have. No. You're not there. You're happy to be there. You're never going to boo them. Whatever they put on the court, you're just going to be happy with. No, there's a no. solution. Here's how no, I no, see no, it. No. There's a solution to it. Instead of booing, don't go. That's yeah, where don't, okay, don't spend okay. your money. Don't Stay go to the game. Boo from your couch. Right. I think they get the message when, uh, so you know. So you're saying that you're a better fan than they are. They paid their money. They sold out the LCA. In that first half, when the Pistons are playing well, they were cheering them. Right. But you're you're the better fan because you're watching from your couch, shutting it off. In the okay, let me ask you this: Do you watch? Did you watch the entire game? I haven't watched the entire game in all three. Okay, so what do you think? So it's like, how were they supposed to sit there and just sit there and enjoy the entire game at the arena? Well, first of all, getting blown up by twenty five when you can't even stop watching your Dateline NBC for a couple hours (laughs) without shutting it off. Well, It's not a good product. No, it isn't a good product. I guess my whole point is you can watch the game. You don't have to boo. That's all. Yeah, Yeah, I guess maybe that's just uh, every team, every fan base does the booing. It is kind of weird sometimes because, you know, you paid the money to be there. You're supposed to, I guess, in a sense, be supportive of the team, and you're kind of booing, bringing them down. I don't know. It it is kind of weird, but – Tell that to uh, the Philly fan base. <laughs> I don't know if that would go over well. But I think the, the Pistons, they have pieces. I'd, like, they were playing really well, I don't know, a month, month and a half ago when Blake was healthy, when he was rolling. They have potential. I, I would have really liked to see. I don't think they would have won this series. But if Blake would have been full, fully healthy, not like a little banged up, fully healthy, him versus Giannis would have been a really cool matchup to see. I don't think they would have won the series, like I said, but I, it kind of sucks that Blake is banged up because I think they could have made a little noise in this series. They, I, yeah, it's possible, Matt. But what I saw is I saw Blake, although he was hurt, he defended like Giannis about as good as you could. Uh, I mean, uh, right off the bat, the first three or four possessions, Giannis had like three turnovers, and because of Blake and because of his active hands, something that we do have to root for for this team is that we have lost a record. <laughs> We've actually tied the record. We've lost 14 straight playoff losses. 13, we, going 13, for 14 tonight. 13, if we if we lose 14, that will be the record for the most consecutive losses in playoff history in the NBA. A little piece, so we could root for that tonight. little piece of history, the Detroit Pistons. Pretty sure the Lions have a pretty similar <laughs> uh, record going, too. In the playoffs, for sure. Yeah, I, not, what, not a great time right now. I did want to bring this up, too, about Griffin. I mean, here we are. He comes home, and he tapes it up and plays, but why didn't he play in the first two games? Answer me that one. I mean, yeah, you have to wonder. I think we mentioned it maybe last week. Maybe he was banged up and thought, okay, even if we lose two games in Milwaukee, I can come back and maybe we get a couple wins in Detroit, even the series. I don't know if that's his way of thinking, but right. You have to wonder if if it was basically just a a money grab type of thing to try and sell out the arena, sell some tickets. But I don't know. I mean, I'm never – like, if – if a guy says he's not healthy enough to play, I mean, I, I'm not sit, I'm not walking in his shoes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to question a guy for not playing if he's saying he's not healthy enough to play. But he even he didn't look 100 percent that other game. So yeah, but if you can't do further damage, play in pain, damn it. Yeah, tape it up. <laughs> he, well, he did. I know he, he did. Why didn't he run. do it in the first two games? This team sucks. He's put. Uh, he's going to go through just 
hell of amount of pain just to, to go out there with and strap it up with Ish Smith and Luke Kennard. Well, he's got and Andre all... Drummond, who's just horrible. He has all summer to rest. <laughs> he's got. We have to have him for five more years. And I know that it's it's a rumor that he can't injure himself further. Don't you think that him putting like more weight on his other legs and overcompensating for the amount of pain he has that could possibly make him more injury prone? Huh? Okay, if you're taking his side on that, that's fine. But I I disagree, man. It's the playoffs. You're getting paid. How much does he get per year? A lot. <laughs> huh? Is it twenty five million or something? Is it in that range? No, way, it's more. I mean, he's way more than that. He's he's making the max. So so, the next so, five so years. money money shouldn't be a factor. You go to work. You go to work to make a living. <laughs> we just okay. Do we have to really dive into this again? You missed the podcast. You couldn't <laughs> climb up the stairs at the studio. You you people. That's one. And it's just kind of stupid. Whatever I hear. I don't necessarily agree with this. Like when pro players say, "Like, oh, like you, you're on your like Draymond Green just the other day said uh, after like Joel Embiid was on his phone on the bench, like, oh, like you're on your phone in your cubicle. Like, what's the difference? It is different, but people miss like work because they have a cold when they wake up in the morning. Yeah, well, I don't. It's, I mean, I missed one podcast, and if I if I made a hundred dollars for that podcast, I'd have made up. I'd have come up the stairs. How about that? You're, you're never gonna live down missing that podcast. <laughs> That's pretty lame. <laughs> Blake's making just under thirty million this year with the Pistons. <laughs> thirty million, and he can't play in the first two games, but it's okay to play in the third one. Come on. I guess that's that's where I, I I'm one hundred percent. I understand what you're saying. Playoff time, if if you can go, strap it up. There there is a side to me that is. I mean, if he if he knows his body, and I'm not going to question a guy if he's saying that he's he's not healthy enough to play. And then like also, would you rather have him out there hobbling around, getting torched by Giannis, or you know, sitting out and trying to make him feel better by game three. Yeah, I guess I could I could understand that point, but I just had a hard time with it because you're right. I don't know for sure, but he said he could go play, and he said the team wouldn't let him play. Yeah. But if it couldn't do any further damage to the knee, if he doesn't have ligament damage now, I, I get what Jared's saying. Yeah, other parts, his back or whatever, could be affected, but I'm just going right to the $30 million, and it's the playoffs. I mean, this is, how do you see, think they got that, to the playoffs? This is old school mentality of the just rub dirt on it, get back out there. Exactly. The, N- the NFL is kind of dealing with uh, some issues with having that mentality. Oh, yeah? Well, CTE, that's, that's a little bit of a problem right now. In the oh, NFL. well, that's a whole different story there. I agree with you. I, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about a little later, later with uh, entertainment tonight. But uh, let's let's hold that thought. Here's one, Jared, you might comment on, being the young guy. See, I didn't call you a millennial there. Did you notice that? <laughs> We had, we had one of our favorite uh, tweeters, M- Miggy Incognito, tweeted to us about uh, home white uniforms. Now, whatever happened to that? The Pistons are at home at LCA on uh, Saturday night, and they're wearing the, red, the, the blue jerseys with the red trim, and the Bucks were in the white. What, what happened here? I'm not going to lie. I get those so confused. Like with every sport, it's like different, which when you wear white at home compared to when you wear like your home colors, like on the road. So I always get those confused. And maybe that's because like, like you said, it's, it's never really cut and dry. The Pistons are wearing blue at home and the Bucks are wearing white on the road. I don't know. It really doesn't matter to me. I just think wear what the, where are the jerseys that you want? The home team should be able to choose whatever jersey they want to wear in yeah. my opinion. I think the home team gets to pick in okay. basketball. Uh, I mean, hockey's always been the other way around. Home team wears the colors. Mm-hmm. The Red Wings always wear red at home. But, yeah, basketball used to be white at home, colors on the road. But, yeah, I, th- I think the home team can choose. So 
And it does have something to do with today's day and age of marketing too, right? They're they're trying to sell jerseys. That's why when they wear the the Motor City black jerseys and you know all the other all all the other gear out there, it's just marketing one hundred and one. Those jerseys are so bad. Those Motor City jerseys are horrible. <laughs> oh, you don't like the Motor City jerseys? No, I love those. Those are those are bad, Matt. Uh, what do you guys think of like is Andre Drummond? Should we try shopping him? I mean, I don't know. He's making twenty seven million next year, twenty eight point seven million in twenty twenty one. Is there even like some sort of would anyone even want him? I I would shop him if you could get a decent enough deal, but I think what you just laid out is going to be pretty tough. I mean, that I was going to ask you guys like to finish off this this Pistons bashing segment. Uh, <laughs> you know, like what do the Pistons do basically? Um, yeah, if you can move Drummond, I think you have to, even if it's just for some draft picks or something. But he's got that contract that you just laid out, Jared. I just his game, like I said, he he puts up those numbers that pop out, you know, stick out to you twenty twenty a lot, fairly often. But like his game to me doesn't really work in today's NBA. I just think that most bigs now stretch the floor. They can shoot the three. They do a little more than what Drummond does. So I don't know. I, I don't know what direction they go. Who do, you, who do you think they should build around? Is it just Blake and uh, Jared's guy, Kennard? That's the, 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 Matt, you took the words right out of my mouth. What is it with twi- like Pistons Twitter on Saturday saying that they need to build around Blake Griffin and then they throw in and Luke Kennard? One, they're not even in the same stratosphere of players. And two, Luke Kennard on Saturday, nine points on four for nine shooting, seven rebounds in 37 minutes. I think I read what some- are we building around here? I think I read what- something on our pod site about that. Yeah, yeah, I threw it out there. I, I mean, I think, here? I mean, Blake is a guy, obviously, but like, I think Kennard can be a guy. He, what is he, second year in the league? Yeah. I mean, is he someone like a franchise player you would build your team around? Well, no, obviously not. He's not on Blake Griffin's level. But like, if you can surround him with, I don't know who, but you know, some other guys, he can be a solid third or fourth option with the way that he's shooting. Well, I mean, just man, I mean, we're now we're starting to build a like. Put, bring in some yeah. guys just so they could play alongside Luke Kennard. Right, that, I, that's he, where we're at. Me, like we said, that's where Stan has left us. We should, yeah, we should, we should. What we, what I would do, package Luke Kennard and Andre Drummond and ship them out. We're going to talk about like Marvel's Avengers in uh, Ted Entertainment later today. Uh, but how nice would it be? So Ted, you probably don't understand this because this is kind of like what's hot in the streets. Marvel Avengers, the Thanos. So what he does, the. the Villain in Avengers, he snaps his finger and fifty percent of the population disappears. Ah. Would would we be angry if Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, uh, maybe Matt Stafford, all these guys in their contracts, Miguel Cabrera, if they just disappeared off the books with a snap of a finger? <laughs> That's the only solution we have here after what Stan Van Gundy and, and all these bad contracts we have on every single team we have. That's not too far out of the realm that uh, w- what difference would it make, right? Because I'm going to kind of segue this into something we talked about last week, Matt, that uh, you found an interesting tidbit that since 1900, every decade, the state of Michigan has had a championship of some sort, right? Yeah, it was the four Detroit pro franchises and including also Michigan and Michigan State football or basketball. Yeah. And... Yeah, every decade since 1900, at least one of those teams has won a championship. This current decade we're in, the 2010s, I guess, if you want to call it that, nothing. I mean, our latest chance was Michigan State mostly, but I guess you can count Michigan too, you know, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, The Pistons, but it looks like they're about to get knocked out. And all we have left are the Tigers, right? The Tigers are our last shot because we're in 2019. 
this decade's about to close up. So, and, and the reason I said that we segue this into it is what uh, what difference does it make at this point if they sh- if they ship those players and their contracts out and start all four franchises from the ground up? I mean, the Tigers are already in that rebuilding mode for sure. I think to a certain extent the Red Wings are. Uh, Lions still the big question mark. But uh, this Piston team, you know, who knows? Are we going to be satisfied with them just squeaking in the playoffs at an 8 or 7 seed every year? I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's that's the weird spot I feel like that both the Lions and the Pistons are at. Like, you know, you've got, you know, say Blake Griffin and then Matt Stafford are your two, like, centerpieces on those teams. Big money guys, Pistons squeak into the playoffs. Lions are always, I don't know, right around that nine-win mark somewhere around there. But, you know, are they ever actually going to take the step and be legit title contenders? You know, who knows? I know we're going to talk about Iserman coming back to the Red Wings uh, a little later, so maybe he's going to get that thing turned around. But <laughs> Well, yeah, let's wrap up our, our Pistons and NBA talk with, uh, you know, this first round. And like I said, we're recording this Monday night. Maybe they'll get one for pride. I doubt it. So there's been some disappointing first-round matchups, but the second round is looking pretty awesome. There's some good matchups looking in the crystal ball ahead of us here, including uh, what Milwaukee and Boston's one of the ones. There's there's some good games. Yeah, Milwaukee and Boston should be one, and the biggest one should be uh, Rockets Warriors yeah. over in the West. That'll be, I mean, that'll probably be the the best series of the whole playoffs, maybe. But yeah, that, I mean, to that point, are you guys? I I've always thought the first round should be five games. Like, yep. is there a point to play this fourth game? <laughs> Like even if the Pistons steal one, is it like oh my god we got got to play another one? Right. I, I I I think it should be seven because it's like why not? You know, I, like I don't think there's such a thing as too much basketball, so I'm okay with it. With that being said, will I watch it? Not at all. I <laughs> the Pistons. I think the Pistons would have to win two two games for me to tune into a game six. I, even if they won Monday night when we're recording this, I don't even know if I would tune in for the next game. I really could care less with this team. One th- one positive about the Pistons though. I like Dwayne Casey as the coach. I'm happy with him leading us going forward, and I liked what he said after the game, or right before they played uh, only their third sellout of the season a couple nights ago. Is He said, before I leave those top rows at LCA, they're going to be filled. I like that quote. Yeah, he's pretty solid. I do like I like the way he handles himself at press conferences. Obviously, he's coached them up this year because look at that roster. It's just not very good. You know, and they did make it to the playoffs, and they they held together. Yeah, they're they're stinking it up in the playoffs, but uh, if you give him a few more pieces, and they can definitely be dangerous. Yeah, so hopefully he can they, this off season they can make the right moves for him. All right, well, draft day is coming up on Thursday night, and we're going to be talking NFL draft and specifically how the Lions are, are going to look at things here. But first, I want to tell you about Advanced Elevator Company. They feature top-of-the-line field technicians for installation, troubleshooting service, and repair of elevators an area business leader and longtime supporters of the Corona Public Schools and the Michigan State Spartans. And also, the coronaconnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on all that is Corona. The spring sports season is underway at Corona High, so keep up with the Cavs at coronaconnection.com. And by the way, big family news with your brother there, Jared, uh, Johnny Fattel taking a head coaching basketball job at Freeland High School and also uh, going to be a teacher up there, and that's uh, that's. Definitely exciting for Johnny. Yeah, something that uh, something that I think is important to note: he is no longer Johnny. His uh, Twitter <laughs> name and his official name he is gone from Johnny to John. Yeah, he's officially a man now. All right, good for him. But he'll always be Johnny to me. You you know that, right? He'll be he'll so he always made, be Johnny to me as well. But 
he made the move like Johnny Manziel, huh? <laughs> yeah, John Manziel. Just start calling me John. <laughs> well, in fact, uh, we're thinking he might sit in the studio with us next week, Matt. So we'll nice. we'll get some of his thoughts, and also he can sit in on uh, some of the other stuff, some of the other hijinks we have here on our podcast. Nice. No, that that's definitely awesome. Congrats to him. And I know, Jared, you said before, I forget exactly what we were talking about, but your dad obviously was a great coach. It fell down to Johnny. John now, I guess, he's got his first head coach. John Jr. Did. Didn't, didn't come down to you, though, did it? No, uh, just not. Um, I did consider becoming a coach in my younger years, but just I'm in the sports field. Here we are, podcasting. Hey. All right, we got our guest on the other line. We'll let Matt introduce him. All right, guys, well, uh, we know what time of year it is right now. It's, it's NFL draft time, and it, it's a time of year that every team, no matter how you finished last year, everyone's excited for that draft. You know, everyone's got a clean slate. You can get excited about your roster, and, you know, everyone's going to be Super Bowl contenders after the NFL draft. So we brought on a guest to talk NFL draft with us and break down what the Lions should be looking for and anything else, Detroit Lions or NFL draft. His name's Pierre from the Pride Podcast, another member of the Midwest Sports Network podcast. Pierre, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Good, good. So, yeah, I guess first off, are you excited? The Lions have made some moves in the offseason, signed some free agents, maybe filled some holes with guys like Trey Flowers, Justin Coleman. They picked up C.J. Anderson uh, at the running back spot, uh, Jesse James at tight end. Have they filled enough holes in the offseason free agency, or do they still have a lot to do in the draft? They filled some holes, but I wouldn't say all of them. They still do need another tight end. You have Michael Roberts. He hasn't really proved much. With the receivers, you have Danny Amendola. Like, obviously, you have Jones and Kenny. But after Danny Amendola, who do you have? You know, you might need another receiver. You look at right guard. Who's going to start at right guard? Is it going to be Abushi? Ode Abushi? Is it going to be Kenny Wiggins? So, I like what they did on defense, but they still need another linebacker to complement Jared Davis. So, put on your general manager's hat there, Pierre. You know, Lions, right now, they have the eighth choice. Um, are they are they moving that pick? Are they going to fill a need? Are they going to go offense? Are they going to go defense? What, what are you thinking? Um, what I've heard is I've heard they try to trade the pick, but they're having trouble generating interest because there isn't much quarterback-needed teams that are ahead of Detroit. The only team ahead of Detroit is probably Denver. If he must jump Denver, let's say, for Drew Locke, let's say since he loves Drew Locke, they could trade up. But it's going to be really hard straight up because there was rumors that um, also that Atlanta, they liked Ed Oliver a lot, right? But today we heard that Oliver is getting some top five buzz. So if they remain at eight, I know some fans won't like these picks. I'm not really a big fan of them either. I think they'll take most likely Hodginson or Jonah Williams. Those are the two guys that to keep an eye on. Boy, yeah, the fans will go nuts if they pick a tight end again, number one, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, firstly, I love Hot, but I don't think – uh, if you look at the guy they signed, Jesse James, he's an inline tight end. If they go tight end, I prefer Noah Fant because he's more of a receiver. He's more dynamic. Cott and Jesse James are similar type of tight ends. Cott is better, but you don't want like the two tight ends doing the same thing, in my opinion. Yeah, if, it, if it's me, and I'll just throw it on the table right now, I'm going for defense. I'm either going to get a, a strong rushing lineman on the D-line, or somebody like uh, Sweat from Mississippi State, or even Rashawn Gary, hopefully that's not the, the curse <laughs> to send a Michigan guy to Detroit. But, you know, myself, if I'm if I'm Quinn, I'm solidifying the defense, you know, and just trying to stop the other teams. Right. I also want to go defense. Well, the thing is with Rashawn Gary, he has his own agency, and teams are worried about if he's 100% committed to football. And you look at Montez Sweat, who I like a lot, there's a heart issue with him. Mm. Now, last year, Maurice Church had the same issue, an enlarged heart. 
but it's not as bad as first was. So we'll see. Swag could drop out of the round one. But we'll see, you know. I mean, yeah. the clients love him, but they're okay with that. I don't think they'd be okay at eight. Maybe they trade back. But at eight, I don't think they'd take that type of risk. So let's say that you're the GM of the Lions like Ted threw out there earlier. If Rashawn Gary is there at number eight, would you want him as a Lions fan? Do you think that that would be a good pick? Or like you said, are you concerned with his off-the-field issues and you know maybe his motor on the field? I'm going to be honest. I'm a diehard Michigan fan, and I've watched Gary play. I think he's a great athlete, but he doesn't always give it his all. You know what I mean? Now, maybe Patricia mm-hmm. change that and Bo Davis, but they get the best out of him. Yeah, they could, but what if they don't? The Bob Quinn, to me, he likes more like the safe picks. If you look at you've looked at the recent years, he's taking Taylor Decker as safe pick. He's taking Jared Davis, who's considered a safe pick. Frank Ragnow uh-huh. last year was a great pick. I don't think he really wants guys who are kind of um, like of a risk. He likes to go safe, so which is why I see Hot and Jonah Williams right now. I think they're safe, quote unquote safe. Jevin Bush would make sense as well at number eight. Some people aren't high on him. Um, I'm pretty high on him. I think he's a really good athlete. He's a really good linebacker. Put him with Davis. I think they've excelled together. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with, with this year's draft. I mean, you got Matt Stafford, and everyone has their opinion on whether Stafford is, you know, an elite quarterback. I think he's definitely he's in that conversation anyway. But, I mean, with the contract and everything, you, you've got Matt Stafford for a while. And right. you've already invested money into the offensive line. You know, they've got to replace T.J. Lang. But, you know, you can address that in other places maybe later in, in the draft. To me, the Lions haven't had a legit lockdown, just shut them down defense in a while. A few years ago they did when they made the playoffs with the Dominican Sioux and some of those guys. But since then, it seems like there's always been holes on the defense. They've addressed it with Coleman and Flowers. I want to see them go defense. I mean, I want to see the Lions back to having a dominant defense. That's where I'm at. The, who, the guys who I love a lot at eight, if they're there, are obviously at Oliver and Josh Allen. Now, I tweeted this today. If the Jets really do love Ed Oliver, there is a chance that Josh Allen could fall to it because you look at the Giants, they'll likely take a quarterback. I think they'll take a quarterback. You look at the the Bucks, they'll, they'll likely take White. They lost uh, what's his face in free agency, Quan Alexander, I believe, to the Niners. And you look at the the Raiders, would obviously take Quinnis. I mean, if the Jets take Oliver at three, Josh Allen could fall to eight. Now, if I'm beat by Quinn, let's say Allen's on the board at six, I'd call the Giants up. I think Josh Allen's a game changer. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, if for some chance Allen would fall to the Lions, that, that's my man right there. Yeah, he's my number one prospect. I love Josh Allen a lot. So Bob Quinn comes in, obviously hires Patricia, and there's a lot of other Patriot type of moves going on. Trey Flowers this offseason. So there, a lot of people have talked about the Lions are starting to try and do things the Patriot way. Right. The Patriot way would maybe be taking this pick and trading back and trying to stockpile a couple second-round and third-round draft picks. I know you mentioned earlier there's not a whole lot of – interest in that but i mean do you think that's where the lions are at right now maybe they still have some holes should try and get some more second and third round picks or do you think there is a guy at eight that can be like a franchise changer no i think they should trade back if they could trade back absolutely you get an extra second extra third rounder that's what that's where like the crop of the draft is that second and third round you could find your corner there you could find a receiver there in the draft there's a lot of depth at corner so that's what i would try to do i would try to acquire more picks but it's hard because the Jets want to trade back. Um, there's rumors that the Broncos want to trade back. So, I mean, a lot of teams want to trade back. It's, it's just hard finding the right team to trade back with. So uh, we're talking a lot about the draft, and obviously it's going to translate to players on the field for the Lions. But let me ask you this. So, like, what is the Lions' goal this season? I mean, 6-10 and 10 last year. What would make it a successful season? Is it a playoff appearance? Is it eight wins? Is it nine wins? And on the other end of that, like, what would be – 
a season where Matt Patricia would immediately be put on the hot seat? Would it be another 6-10 and 10 finish, or would it be something worse? Okay, so you saw what they, they, they went out. They, they signed Justin Coleman $9 million a year. They paid Flowers, I believe, $18 million a year. Jesse James got a little more than 6 a year. So their goal is to win now. Their goal is to make the playoffs you know, now. There are circumstances. The reason why they didn't make the playoffs because of injuries, that's fine. But if they have a healthy team and they're struggling, I could see both Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn fired at the end of the year. And Stafford could go with them as well. I mean, because the new GM and head coach might want to bring their own guy in. But let's hope that doesn't happen. But that's just, I think that's what they're facing right now because they went all out this year. Well, what's your gut feel? I mean, do you think this Lion roster with the additions they have, maybe strengthen it into the draft, you think they have a legit, legitimate chance maybe for a 10-win season and make some noise? I think they do, yeah. We saw last year towards the end of the year how the defense played. They got more comfortable in the scheme. We saw Jared Davis improve, especially when they brought in Snacks Harrison. Now they have Trey Flowers in there. If they could find another edge rusher in the first or second round, maybe another corner, this, this team can go, this defense can be dangerous. Now offensively, they have Daryl Babel. Offense might take a while to uh, to get it going. You know, when a team hires a new coordinator, it takes a couple games to feel the guys out. And so the offense could struggle first, but the defense should be clicking. I want to ask you about Matt Stafford. I'm, I mean, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast. I'm definitely... I'm a Stafford guy. I think he's I mean, he's the best quarterback the Lions have ever had. Right. And that's not really saying a whole lot, to be honest with you, but uh, he is. And, I, you know, they're paying him a ton of money to win games. And, I mean, when you want to break it down, he, had, he hasn't won the big games is what, what it comes down to. I still think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. At what point do they have to – I mean, they signed Tom Savage in uh, you know, the offseason to kind of back him up, I guess. But at what point do they need to maybe – draft a quarterback higher than, you know, the fifth or sixth round to maybe start trying to develop someone for, like you said, if they end up trying to move Stafford or something like that. Yeah, so I've heard they actually like three guys in the mid-rounds, like third or fourth round. Tyree Jackson out of Buffalo, big dude, athletic, strong arm, has to work on his mechanics a little. Jared Stidham out of Auburn was projected to go high this year, had a bad year at Auburn. And uh, Brett Ripien out of Boise State, they like those three guys. Um, I could see him going here from like the third to the fifth round. And those guys, they view him as solid number two options. Now, I have no faith in Connor Cook or Tom Savage. I don't think they are they're a good quarterback. So they are looking to address the backup situation. Don't you think, though, if you're, if you're looking for a backup, aren't you just wasting a pick if you go for a backup in the draft? Wouldn't you be better going with a free agent in that situation, or even a Connor Cook? I mean, I hate, I hate to see him waste a pick on a quarterback if they're rolling with Stafford, which I happen to also agree. He's only thirty-one; they, he's never had the team around him other than the year Matt was talking about with Sue and that solid defense. If they can just put the right pieces around Stafford, I think they can they can really make some noise. I mean, the quarterback situation, we saw what Dallas did, right? When they took Dagger, it was like, oh, that's a reach. They actually not drafted there. And it, look how it turned out for them. You're hoping that you could hit on one of these mid-round guys. You know, they're controllable. And let's say, like, they play really well. Maybe you don't want to pay Stafford that money. You can move on from him. Now, I personally love Stafford, but you have to look at the quarterbacks. And if Stafford goes down, do you trust Connor Cook and Tom Savage? No. To, no, exactly. <laughs> so you have to draft your backup quarterback, or you have to trade for a decent backup. Well, I guess I didn't phrase it what I really was trying to get on the table. If you're looking for the future and looking for, let's say, a franchise quarterback, is is, is Stafford tradable at 31? I know he has the big, giant contract, but doesn't Quinn at this point look at the whole picture, and if you got a franchise quarterback, let's say next year Tua's available somehow, and you could put together a package with Stafford at that point, 
I mean, my viewpoint is they, they look for a franchise quarterback in the draft. I mean, right now, if they were to move on from Stafford, even next year, it would cost them a lot. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think they'll move on from him. I did read a tweet from uh, Benjamin Albright, I believe. He's one of the uh, NFL insiders. He said that if Stafford was to be made available, if, if he was a free, there would be about a dozen teams interested in him. So interest in him wouldn't be a problem, but the problem would be the dead cap mm-hmm. and how to uh, work with that. That's maybe where, like, I guess maybe like what Ted is saying, if you ended up having to trade Stafford, trying to move on, maybe saying, you know, we need to just start fresh, and you eat some of that dead cap, that, that contract like you're talking about, maybe that's where you, you draft someone high and you don't have to pay him as much as a franchise quarterback. But, you know, I, I still think they should roll with Stafford and, and try and surround him with legit pieces. Now, maybe they're doing that. You know, Amendola comes in, he's a solid receiver if he can stay healthy. Jesse James can be, you know, a good tight end, a, maybe, you know, a pass-catching tight end for him. So, Right. So hopefully they just hopefully they can figure out. I I hope carry on Johnson. Hopefully he's healthy and good to go because he looks like a game changer too. He does. Yeah. And I want to say something. Uh, we've seen Kenny Galladay grow a lot. I think this year he's going to prove to people that he's the real deal. It's his third year. That's when guys make that big jump. So Kenny Galladay, don't sleep on him. He he has a really bright future here. Is Kyler Murray for sure going to be uh, Arizona's pick? I think so because if you look at everything, Josh Rosen doesn't fit what uh, Cliff wants to do. So I, I get, I mean, Kyler to Arizona makes a lot of sense, and I think it'll happen. Yeah, there's there's a lot of motioning going on. I caution people. I caution people on Twitter that don't believe everything you hear in these next couple of days because teams throw smoke screen out there. So yeah, I think Kyler is the guy. And then the other intriguing one at quarterback is Haskins. I mean, you know, after the bowl, the bowl game. I mean, in the season he had, a lot of people were saying he was going to be the number one choice, and I see him from anywhere from number 5 to number 13, possibly to the Dolphins. But, uh, you know, I happened to listen to Jim Rome today, and the guy is, uh, I mean, he had a great interview, a great uh, outlook on the game, and obviously put up some record numbers last year. And all of us, the three of us and yourself, you mentioned it, all Michigan fans, and he was part of the destruction of that Ohio State over Michigan game last year. Right. I think Haskins is good. I think someone is just throwing smoke screen out there hoping he could fall to them. I think Murray will be the number one quarterback off the board, but Murray's actually my number three quarterback because his size scares me. He could, you know, like, he's little. One hit, he could get hurt. Kind of like an RG3 situation. RG3 was banged up a lot. That, that's what worries me about um, Murray. But I think Haskins, I see him going number six to the Giants or someone even trading up for him. I think he's a special kid. That would make some sense. Uh, play a year or so behind Manning and then take over. Now, my, one of my favorite quarterbacks in this class, he has accuracy issues, but his potential is through the roof. I love Drew Locke. He's my number two quarterback. His arm strength is amazing. If you, if you like, get drafted, put him behind, like, a, an Andy Dalton or, say, an Aaron Rodgers or a Joe Flacco, like, under the right guy, sit out a year and start the year after, I think he could be the best quarterback from this draft. But he has to be in the right situation. You can't throw him out there year one. He'll fail. So, so with that being said, would you – if let's say that somehow he was there, I mean, it's, obviously he's going to be there at number eight. Would you be angry if, if the Lions ended up picking him with maybe a first or a second round pick and put him behind Stafford for a year? Drew Locke, if they took him at eight, not at eight, but maybe in the second round. Yeah, I'd be angry because you know the team wants to win now. Taking a quarterback doesn't really say that you want to win now. They were aggressive in the off season, so I'd rather have them go after let's say like maybe a tight end, like in the second, let or a receiver or a corner or a safety. Go after the need, a guard. I don't like quarterbacks. I address that in day three. As Lions fans, I mean, we're 
like I said, how, how I opened it up, this is it's an exciting time for every fan, even if you're a Lions fan. New players, new roster, you know, it's exciting. But the Lions don't have a very good history of drafting very well. They, they have some good draft picks, obviously. But overall, you know, obviously, Matt Millen, Mayhew, <laughs> not a very good record when it comes to the draft. Do you like right. what Bob Quinn is doing? Do you think he's turning the Lions around? Do you think, you know, obviously they made some moves, signed some free agents. If they have a good couple years, do you think the Lions actually, with Bob Quinn, are turning things around? Or do you think, you know, they're still a ways away? Yeah, you saw last year's draft. I mean, he hit on most of those guys. on Johnson was really when he was healthy. Frank Ragnow, we see a lot of potential there. Played well in his rookie year. Tracy Walker, I think, is going to start this year. Um, Deshaun Hand was a great pick, was a great trade from the fourth round. I think he traded this year's third. Yeah, I think Bob Quinn is going in the right direction. Jared Davis, uh, last the year before last year, who else did he take? Uh, Keith Tabor is the only one, the only high pick that hasn't really panned out. And that happens, you know, you're not going to hit on all of your picks. So I do like what Bob Quinn is doing. All right, well, listen, uh, we appreciate the time. Before we let you go, tell us a little bit about how you got your podcast started. Tell us a little few details about it and the best way that our listeners can follow you. Yeah, so we have the, the Pride Podcast. I started with a couple of my friends, Tyler and Malcolm. It was just an idea that came up. We started it, and it's doing well. You could uh, follow it at Pride Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram. Yeah. Well, you guys have some good stuff going. I tuned into your uh, mock draft, uh, some good stuff there, and uh, I know it's kind of like uh, one of your holidays Thursday night, right? Yeah, it's like Christmas morning for Lions. <laughs> so. Well, go Lions, and uh, we appreciate the time tonight, Pierre, and uh, we're looking forward to a good season restoring the roar. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll, we'll see you later. Thanks again for Pierre for joining us here on Three Point Podcast. Rivals Tap House and Grill, that's the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. The NFL draft starts this Thursday, April 25th, as we talked about. And the Tigers are playing competitive ball right now, 10-10, and 10, going into tonight's game that was rained out at Boston. Head to Rivals Tap House and Grill and check out the coverage on their 21 HD flat screens and huge 10-foot screen. Don't forget May 1st, first of the month party, $1 domestic bottles, $5 burgers or chicken sandwiches with a side. Rivals Tap House and Grill across from Meyer and Corona. And also check out SheridanAuctionService.com for info on upcoming auctions. They're going to be having a big firearms consignment sale May 1st. Call 989-720-SELL for other details or go online at SheridanAuctionService.com for upcoming auctions. For those who don't know, it's been the biggest news out of Detroit this past week. Steve Yeiserman is back to the Red Wings. My problem with this, similar to what people do when Tiger Woods wins, cough, cough, Matt, I hate when people become Detroit Red Wings fans when it suits them. People love the, love the Wings when they are winning titles and making headlines, but where have you been the last three or four years when they suck? I mean, we really have taken them for granted. They made the playoffs for every single year of Yeiserman's playing career. 22 years. Every year. But yet, no one, we just took it for granted. No one cares. All we cared about was the Lions and how they can't win a Super Bowl. I'm sick of the, the Fairweather Red Wings fans who have taken the, possibly the greatest professional sports team in history for entirely for granted, like us Detroit fans have. And yes, I put myself in that category because I am excited to have Steve Yeiserman back with the Red Wings. Yeah, and I, I agree with you on that. And I, I have to admit, um, I am kind of a front runner in certain sports for sure. The Red Wings is one of them. I haven't watched a lot of Red Wings hockey in the last few years, frankly, because they haven't been that competitive. But uh, I do remember watching a lot. You know, when Yeiserman was playing. That was that was a great era in Detroit Red Wings hockey, and I have to admit it is nice to see him back home where he belongs. And I do think that um, they're probably 
the top choice to maybe win a championship out of the big four Detroit teams. The next team, I think, unless it's the Lions somehow, which I don't think that's going to happen. But I would put my money on the Red Wings maybe making it to a Stanley Cup. I mean, you look at a team like Las Vegas last year, an expansion team made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, it doesn't take that much in hockey. No, I mean, you just kind of have to get hot and get some good goaltending and stuff like that. And this year in the NHL playoffs, both eight seeds beat the number one seed. So, I mean, hockey's kind of weird. That like, I don't even know if you guys knew that because like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's not huge news. If right. in the NBA both eight seeds upset the one seeds, it would be it would be the biggest news in sports, or it would be bigger than Tiger Woods winning the Masters. So, I mean, in hockey, you kind of just have to get to the playoffs, and then you never know. I, I Jared, to your point, I mean, I I have admitted that I'm just a casual hockey fan that I. I check in on the Red Wings record, but, you know, I haven't really watched a game uh, in a couple years. And I think part of that is because when I was growing up, they always made the playoffs. So, I mean, I would watch a little bit during the regular season, but I knew every year they were going to be in the playoffs, so I didn't have to really pay attention during the regular season. I would just start watching in the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I don't know, that was my whole childhood or whatever, young young teenage years, uh, the Red Wings were always in the playoffs. So hopefully Iserman can get it turned around because it does seem like it. Uh, the NHL playoffs are cooler when, when the Red Wings are in it. Well, let's tee it off or tee it up here from Jared's comment. I mean, let's go to the big four, right? I mean, we all, all four of us or all three of us are Michigan college fans, college football fans for sure. I'm kind of more of a Michigan State basketball and Michigan, but the four you're, pro... You're definitely on Michigan State basketball <laughs> But the I four... Think, I think being on this podcast has made you more of a Michigan State basketball fan. Well, you know, you, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do to keep things uh, fair-minded. But uh, the, the four professional sports. I am a diehard Lion fan, and I'm a diehard Tiger fan, and I guess I would be more of a casual Piston fan and, and Red Wing fans. When they're doing good... I'm definitely, I'm going to admit it, I'm a front runner. I'm going to watch them a whole lot more than I am when they're struggling. How about you guys? I think that that's, like, that's what, why did, why Detroit fans, why did we put all of our chips into the Detroit Lions? Why did we do that? <laughs> I mean, the Red Wings are, like I said, they're one of the best professional sports teams in history. Just the way that the sustained, sustained success they've had. Well, I'll tell you one and, reason. Did you ever play hockey? You played football. No, Matt, you played football. Is, I played football. We never played hockey. Yep. I played that boot hockey. <laughs> boot hockey at McCurdy no, Park. Yeah, hockey does suck. Hockey does kind of suck. I think that's <laughs> a big thing. thing because, because, I mean, the, hockey, a lot of schools in Michigan actually do have hockey. Now. A lot of it's more like club sports. You know, it might not necessarily be the school. But, like, living in Connecticut for five years, hockey in the Northeast is huge. I mean, a lot of college football in the Northeast isn't that big of a deal, like UConn and Boston College, I guess. But, I mean, so college football is not a big deal. But hockey up there, everyone plays hockey. Everyone who was from, like, the Boston area or, you know, New England, uh, they, they love hockey. So I remember when I moved there, it was, it was crazy seeing that difference. Um, so, yeah, I think growing up playing it is a huge thing. It is. Do you guys think that the Red Wings have probably the best jerseys in all of professional sports because their red jerseys and even their white ones, they, man, they are just sharp jerseys. Oh, they are, they're classic. There's no doubt about it. They're, they're sweaters, too, by the way, yeah, That's true. <laughs> and I, probably biased, but honestly, I think the Tigers' home white with the Old English D, I think that is the coolest uniform in all of sports. I mean, it's, it's a lot better when they're good. But that, that clean, home Detroit white with only English D, that is cool. I like that a lot. I will say, I think, I think probably we ran a poll on our three-point pod at 
our Twitter site at what sport or what team do people think will be the next one to win? And everyone, it was like 60% of the people picked the Red Wings. No one picked the Tigers. Some people picked the Lions. So it does seem like maybe people were just hyped up over Steve Eiserman coming back. but Or maybe everyone just knows there's no hope for for the Lions. But it does seem like the Red Wings have, have the most hope. Well, let's go full circle here. You guys didn't answer, though. I, I, I've got two diehard teams, the Tigers and Lions. What about you guys? Basically, the Lions are one, two, and three, and then number four, Pittman. Could not care less about the Red Wings, could not care less about the Tigers. Actually, one, two, three, Lions, four, Pistons, five, six, seven, blank, eight, Red Wings, 488, Tigers. Wow. Tigers are the worst. From a kid that saw Justin Verlander throw a no-hitter even. I was going to say, you were in person seeing a no-hitter? Come on. That was very cool. I, going to a Tigers game is awesome, but just the the thing is, is just it's like it's like a it's like a small talk thing in Michigan. Like how about them Tigers? Like that's what people <laughs> talk about, and it's like I no one cares. People who watch them every every single day, every game, no matter how good or bad they are, like, it blows my mind how people do that. Ted. Well, it's because it's, ca- it's it's called being a fan. I mean, I love baseball. Oh, I love baseball. That's the difference. You don't. Right, you you played it very little as a youngster, so you you, you know you don't have that love for it. I think that that's, well, I talked to some buddies about that a little while ago. We were I forget what game we were talking about. Somehow that topic came up. Why a lot of people don't like baseball, and I think a lot of it is like understanding the sport. If you obviously if you grow up playing it, you grow up watching it. You know you have a better understanding of it. Same with hockey. Same with soccer. You know whatever. A lot of people here, you know, say, "Wow, oh, what a soccer's boring or whatever." But people who understand the game love it. Yeah. Same with baseball. Like when you watch a baseball game, if you really know the sport and you know how pitchers are working counts, how defenses are playing, and how managers are managing games, there there is an appreciation to it. I think there's a nostalgic uh, factor to it. You know, Ted, you you grew up in that era, like listening to baseball on the radio, Ernie Harwell. You know, that there's a probably nostalgia to it too. But I think that's a big part. If you don't truly understand the game, then you're just sitting there watching, like, why are these guys just standing around throwing well, the ball well, around? Well, to, to me, it is, there's a nostalgic value to it, but it's it's a passion thing. I mean, I, I truly, I know, I know, Jared, you, you're going to laugh or you don't understand it, but I truly love baseball. I do. How, how about you basically just saying that it, I don't get it? Like, oh, I'm not a part of the cool club. Like, I didn't play baseball. I don't get it. That's why I don't like the Tigers. Maybe it's so just I, the I fact think, that it's not entertaining. Okay. Maybe it's the fact that the sport just stinks. Maybe that's why I didn't play it. Wow, you got a little defensive on that. <laughs> no, I, I think that's just, like, part of it. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe you just don't like it. Everyone, there's things that people don't like. I don't like Game of Thrones, but maybe that's because I haven't watched it. <laughs> See, maybe if I watched no, Game of Thrones. I like anymore, the way you slid like, that in there. <laughs> no, that's what I mean. That's why you guys are the worst. That's why, Matt, you're the worst type of game. He throws that in, Ted, every chance he gets that he doesn't watch Game of Thrones. This is my view on that, and we'll probably get it to it with Ted Entertainment tonight. Well, I, that's if coming up. Watch, that's coming up. The people who get mad at the people who watch the most famous show on television, like, how could you watch that show? How could you watch it and then on the same hand just all are telling everybody they don't watch it Matt it's like just defend yourself here why do you feel the need to tell everybody that you don't watch it if you really don't care I don't I don't tell that many people I have definitely done it I do it to because it clearly gets you fired up so that's kind of fun (laughs) that that is the fun part (laughs) (laughs) I do like to just I don't know like troll people I guess but 
I, I don't get mad at people for watching it. I understand <laughs> it, it probably is an incredible show. I just haven't, I haven't like put the time in to watch it. Same with baseball. Like I would never get mad at people who sit down and watch every Tigers game. I get it. People love baseball. You're gonna watch it. Yeah. Do you really get it though? Every game, Matt. Yeah. If you if you want to sit down and watch three, that, that's your choice. That's your choice. Spend your time that way. Just the, the same way that you spend an hour every Sunday watching some TV show that has like what Puff the Magic Dragon in it or something. See what I mean? <laughs> you say that it's probably an awesome show, but then you say a comment like that. <laughs> you think it's a lot better than watching the Tigers play the Minnesota Twins for the 38th time in a year? That's the worst thing about baseball, the scheduling. It's like we play the, the Yankees once every three years, and we play the Minnesota Twins and whoever the heck else that's in our division 400 times a year. Well, that's let's, let's so put it stupid. Let's put it this way. You bring up some good points there. Baseball's got some problems that they definitely need to fix. And before we move on to the next topic, uh, I know – they're trying to what they got the motto now let the kids play right like the Bryce Harper bat flip and you know things are things like that to try and get the young crowd into it Jared again you're not a millennial but you're a young guy is there any anything you would suggest to make baseball watchable to you this is something that I've actually heard of, and I thought it was a good idea you know how there's like the NFL red zone channel like what about like an NFL like an MLB every time Mike Trout's up to bat you're watching there's no commercials every time, you know, uh, yeah, like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Miguel Cabrera, all the time, every time these stars are up, you're watching them. So you're not watching one specific game, and then whenever there's like an ace on the mound, it shows him when he's pitching. Whenever there's someone in scoring position, uh, like, uh, like what is that, second base or third base, you show that got that like at bat. Like That's something that I think would be actually interesting and I might watch. That's not a but bad thought. It's a big might. Seems like the baseball channel did do that at one time. Yeah, the, the MLB network does have that. It's not the exact same thing as the red zone, uh, but it it is along those same lines that they they call it like a whip around show That's where it. they they jump into show, or games in and out. The MLB TV rights are ridiculous, though. Mm-hmm. MLB and the money that they pay in the MLB network to like own the rights to baseball is just like insane. Like down here at the SEC network, like if we want to show on some shows like former SEC players, you know, say they have a big game, so we want to say, like, hey, look at this kid, played for Tennessee last year, look at what he's doing in the majors. There's a 48-hour window that we can show a game. So, like, say a game is on Saturday, we have basically until Monday morning to show that highlight. Otherwise, can't show it. So, like, there's weird TV rights to it, but I definitely think that would be huge. If MLB wants to try and promote these stars, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and whoever else, you got to put them on TV. You got to make people know who they are. And yeah, if you could watch a show for an hour, two hours, if you wanted to, and you get to see a bunch of Mike Trout (laughs) at bats, a bunch of Bryce Harper at bats, Clayton Kershaw pitching, Verlander pitching. Yeah, that might actually be really cool. Does ESPN still have baseball tonight? Yeah, it's just, uh, I think just now Sunday nights, maybe oh, Monday nights. Okay. But they, they cut that back a lot, too, kind of for the same reasons. Right. Yeah, they used to oh. do a good job with that, I thought. Yeah, baseball tonight was cool. MLB Network has always had the best stuff. MLB Network does a lot of really good stuff. But, you know, I, I think the bat flip thing, I mean, I, I, that's just a whole discussion. I think people need to chill out with getting so mad at guys flipping their bats after a home run but i think something maybe we've talked about it before that would be really cool they play around with it during like spring training i think even during the all-star game like having guys mic'd up during the game yeah that's really cool like that i don't know if you want to do it every inning you know for a whole game but like 
you know, chatting with Bryce Harper when he's out in the outfield and all of a sudden he has to go chase down a fly ball. That, that stuff is really cool to me. I think I'd, I think it'd be awesome to have something like that even on a a pay network, you know, where you, where you'd be completely uncensored and have the players mic'd and just listen to what goes on, have the managers mic'd, you know. I don't I don't know how that would go over, but it would be fun yeah. for the fans. You you would be the first as soon as like so let's say they're in the outfield and I don't even know a Tigers outfielder, which is pretty bad. Uh let's say Brennan Bosch. <laughs> let's say Brennan Bosch is mic'd up, Ted, and you're watching and he misses a fly ball. You'd be the first one to say this is the worst thing that baseball's ever done. <laughs> Not if he said, Oh fudge or something when he's running <laughs> after it. That'd be kinda of funny. I think obviously a huge issue too with baseball is how slow it is. We did uh, a game on Saturday night. College game? together A couple nights ago, we did a college baseball game that lasted four and a half hours. Oh. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous. There's some MLB games that last that long, four, four and a half hours. That's too long. Yep. Too long to watch a game. That's so, one of their biggest problems, that. And, I mean, it's some of these April baseball games at night. I mean, they had, a, they had a good Friday night game in Detroit. There was hardly anybody there. It was like 30 degrees. It was ridiculous. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, one thing I was going to use as part of Tedertainment tonight, but I'll just uh, throw it in here real quick. Uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch uh, The Roar of 84. It's it's part of the Detroit Film Festival. It's now playing on Fox Sports Detroit. It's a one-hour documentary on the 84 Tigers. I know you're not a baseball fan, Jared, but I know, Matt, you are. But it, it was really well done. Yeah, that'd be cool to see, especially is there like behind the scenes interviews with players, coaches. And- oh yeah, and they, they even when Gibby hit the home run off Gossage, you got a little bit more audio. In fact, he was at home plate, and he bet Sparky Anderson ten bucks he was going to go deep off Gossage, and then after he, after he got to home plate scoring, he says, "You owe me ten bucks. You owe me ten bucks." Yeah, I feel like I've seen that before. Wasn't Sparky like calling him out, saying like he thinks he's going to strike you out? Yep, yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they had some that good stuff. Would be really cool. To see. Okay, I, I gotta jump in. That's like the cool. That's cool. It's ten dollars <laughs> to a professional baseball player. He, he wasn't confident at all that he was going to do it. <laughs> okay, that's nothing. That's cup change. <laughs> I, I have no comment on that. <laughs> No. You I mean, yeah, he's, he's got a point. True. I mean, I, I don't know what, what they were making back then. I'm sure it was still a decent amount of money. It wasn't about the money. It was, I'm going deep on this sucker. That's what it was about. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, we got Tedertainment tonight coming up next. Before we get to that, Card Service Michiana offers credit card setup and equipment for both new and existing merchants. Guaranteed to save you money. No contract, no monthly minimums or early termination fees. Call 574-238-1397 or contact us at 3PointPod for details. All right, guys, I know we're going to get into some Game of Thrones talk. Jared already set us up for that. A few things I wanted to talk about in this segment. Have you guys been checking out Jeopardy at all? Just kind of keeping up on it. I haven't, like, watched the whole episode. I know a guy's been just tearing it up. Yeah, Jared, before you laugh at this, I don't know if you've looked it up at all, but James Holzhauer, he's closing in on a million bucks That's uh, as of today. And uh, there was a great ESPN.com story by David Purdom about this guy. He makes his living in Vegas as a professional gambler. Did you know that? I had heard that. I haven't. Wa- I don't think I've ever really watched a Jeopardy contestant, and I had never heard of that guy until about 30 seconds ago. Well, if you get a chance, and I'm not kidding you here, check out the game show Jeopardy. This guy, have you ever watched it, I guess, is the first question. That's like the fill-in-the-blank game, correct? And, wow. You, you honestly have <laughs> never watched a Jeopardy? What? 
is that it? I, th- that's not it. Then. They have You're categories. They have cat. They have a, like five or six categories each board, and they're all worth a different value. So you're going from let's say five hundred dollars at the top to four thousand dollars at the bottom, right? And you're going through each category. They give some clues. Oh, and yeah. They give some clues, and you got to guess. Well, anyway, his whole strategy is he's just he's just messing up the other contestants because he every time he gets the board. And he gets an answer. He'll, he'll he'll pick the highest value, and and they have another category called daily double, where you double your money. He's just smoking these people, and it's all with his gambling mentality. That's why I think if you get a chance, check it out. I think you would enjoy it. This guy has a great strategy going. Yeah, he even had a perfect show one of the nights, didn't he? Yeah, he won over a hundred thousand dollars one night. And he's already up to about a million, like I said. But it's funny that the all-time the all-time money leader on that show, back in uh, 2004, guy's name was Ken Jennings. He actually went up with a, up against a computer to see how he would do against a computer on Jeopardy. I think the computer beat him, but he gave it a pretty good battle. But he won two and a half million dollars back in 2004 on Jeopardy. And this this guy uh, James Holzhauer. Might have a chance to beat him. I know you've probably got something else, Ted. I did end up watching The Dirt this weekend. What'd you think? And, uh, basically the same review that you gave it. Cool. It was entertaining. I mean, again, kind of like uh, Highwaymen. Not not like, wasn't amazing, but it was cool to see. I would, I'd would i be curious to read the book. Same here. I was thinking the same details, thing. Because yeah. I feel like, even though, like you said, that opening scene, it was kind of like, oh, wow. <laughs> You know, I still feel like the movie was obviously holding back a little bit. I can't imagine the details that are in the book. You wouldn't want to watch that opening scene with your mother sitting by you on the couch. I know Man, that. Did you no, did you not. watch it with your daughter in the room? No, no, she was in bed. Okay. Yeah, that probably would not be a, a smart move. By the by, the way, to I go mean, off. I like, like we said before, I mean, it's a Netflix movie. If you're if you have Netflix, I would say it's worth a watch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was it was entertaining, and you know, we I ended up like looking up some stuff about some of the guys to see like. You know, read some more details about them. You know, so yeah, it, it was it was a good hour and a half entertainment for sure. Uh, another tip for you guys: have you have you either one of you heard of uh, documentary now on uh, IFC? It's a it's a parody documentary series uh, put together by Bill Hader and Fred Armisen and produced by Lauren Michaels of Saturday Night Live. No, it's pretty good. If you get a chance, it's it's pretty well done. And I just watched one from this season called Any Given Saturday, kind of a takeoff on Any Given Sunday, but it's about professional bowlers. It's it's definitely got some chuckles in it. Are they they're mockumentaries? Yeah, they're half-hour mockumentaries. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty well done. So check that out if you get a chance. Also, Jared, we talked last week about, uh, you know, Batman. You like Batman, the Gotham uh, TV show, the series finale is coming up this Thursday, and uh, it looks like they're going to wrap it all up together pretty sweetly. And uh, they have a pretty good trailer on it if you want to check that out on YouTube or something. Is that the one with uh, D- Detective Gordon? <laughs> no, <laughs> Commissioner Gordon. I've got it straight now. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, that's the DC comic, uh, Batman. Avengers, Marvel Avengers Endgame is actually coming out on Thursday. I actually bought my tickets the very same day they came out. Right. Uh, a lot of people are, like, a lot of uh, box office experts, I guess you'd call them, movie experts, are saying that this could actually be the highest grossing box office film of all time, like beating Avatar's, like, $3, million, $3 billion. Are you guys interested in, in Marvel or not at all? <laughs> kind of. I'm not, again, it's not something I've got to rush out to see, but I've seen some pretty good ones. Uh, this one sounds like the hype it's going to be incredible. 
I got to give credit there, but I, I'm not one of these guys that uh, is hooked into it. I will watch it probably when it comes on HBO or something, but I probably won't go to the movies. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I just, I think I've just never gotten into. I, I wasn't a comic book kid as a fan. I've never gotten into the comic book movies. I think they're cool. I've seen a couple of the Avengers, like a couple of the X Men movies. Uh, Iron Man. I thought Iron Man was cool, mostly because of Robert Downey. But I'm not like rushing out to see these. We do because because uh, Marvel is owned by Disney. We ah, have uh, free screenings. Nice. All the all the Disney movies that come out. So we have one for Endgame, and like people are like going crazy because they you know everyone is going to see this and i'm like i don't know maybe i'll make it but you know i would i would go see it for free you know but uh i don't doubt that it's going to be cool i'm not hating on it in that way jared i bet it's going to be an incredible movie it's just not like like ted said i'm not rushing out to see it you know i mean we've talked about this before ted ted i think it's your duty as our tv guy you have to go see these movies yeah, you, maybe can't, I, you, you, I, you can't fall out of touch with what's popular. I mean, you want to stay young, you want to stay hip. You got you got to know what's hot in the streets, and it's Game of Thrones and it's Marvel's Avengers. <laughs> I am aware of both of those things, you know. I, I am aware of the background too. I just Says don't have the to... guy who who knows every minuscule detail about this Jeopardy contestant. <laughs> well, this one will get you too. Uh, yesterday, I uh, I watched on my DVR. That's an old man term, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, I record. I recorded it from Saturday night. I hadn't seen it in a few years. The Ten Commandments. Man, that was a that was a four hour block of TV right there yesterday. I watched. Who the wait, the Ten Commandments movie? Yeah, with Charlton Heston, Yul Brenner. Uh, the movie was actually made the year I was born, nineteen fifty six. So, you know, you, you compare that in the and the special effects to the CGI and uh, you know the Avengers. Slight difference, but I thought they did a pretty good job with it back in '56. Oh my God. <laughs> they parted the Red Sea. How bored were you on Sunday? Four hours. Uh, it was a it was a great Easter Sunday thing to watch, Jared. Now settle down. <laughs> I've seen oh, some of that movie. I, is it really four hours long? Yeah, it's a long one. Yeah, in fact, oh. it was one of those back when it came out. Uh, you know, kind of like Titanic. I don't know if you remember going to see Titanic. They had an intermission when you went to the movie theater. Do you guys even know, have you ever gone to a movie that has an intermission? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Titanic. Uh, I mean, if you want to count it, drive-in movies. I've been to a bunch of drive-ins. That's, right. That's in between two movies. But small fact, Titanic, first movie that I ever saw boobs in at a movie theater. I was like <laughs> 12 years old. thought it was the coolest thing ever. Kate Winslet, baby. <laughs> All right, Jared. Game of Thrones. Anything? Any comments about last night's before, episode? Before we get to that show, oh, before okay. we let Jared have his little soapbox, his stage, uh, I just want—I wanted to ask you, Ted, because I know you've watched. I think Jared, you said you watch it too, but the Ted Bundy tapes. Yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the the Zac Efron movie that's coming out? Extremely <laughs> wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. It's Zac Efron plays. Ted Bundy. Yeah, I'm. I, I might go to the theater to watch that. Actually, Jared knows where my mind is always at. I thought. I guess I thought that was a straight to Netflix. Oh, it's going right to Netflix. I thought so. Oh, I should have. I known believe that. so. That is awesome, and I, I, I'm actually very much looking forward to uh, seeing that. Although I'm not a big like murder mystery. Basically, I hate that all those sort of movies, but I do love Zac Efron, so I'm very intrigued. I did see some uh, clips of him uh, in makeup. Boy, he looks scaringly like Ted Bundy too. I mean, they. Yeah, that- they made him that up. That was going to be good. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. 
All right, Jared. Get to, All right, Jared. Uh, Jared I'm going to go ahead and hang up. Go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> Before we get to Game of Thrones, uh, let me just put this ahead. I finished Sopranos on Oh, Tuesday. yeah. And don't continue uh, if you haven't seen Sopranos yet. Spoilers spoiler alert. alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, Matt, you, Matt probably will never get around to watching it because it's a popular show. And as we know, Matt <laughs> likes to say that he doesn't like popular shows instead of actually watching them. Uh, but at the very end, it's and I knew it was coming, but it still shocked me. Like, People don't know whether or not the main uh, anta- protagonist, antagonist, whatever you want to call him, Tony Soprano, whether or not he dies. But my main takeaway is in the last season, or second to last season, before we, the last time we talked about this show, uh, Ted, you told me that I should start calling you Uncle June, correct? <laughs> well, I gave you that option, but you declined. Which is Tony's uncle during the show. Right. At two different points during the show, Uncle June tries to kill Tony. Yes. He actually shoots him. So my question to you is, what were you trying to tell me? Are you nervous that I'm taking your corner on this show, that I'm going to take over the podcast from you as the host? Well, I I can already tell you want to take over the entertainment portion of the show. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've got to watch out. I don't know. But my my overall synopsis of of Sopranos, really good show. Great. I actually like the finish. A lot of people don't like how it ended. Kind of left it open-ended whether or not Tony actually died or not. I was, I'm with you on that. I, I liked the final episode. A lot of people didn't. But it's just it's a great show. I recommend it to anyone who who likes television. And it's just Tony Soprano. What a character he really was. It's a shame that James Gandolfini actually died, the man who played him. Sad, him. isn't it? Yeah, because he was very talented. But in Game of Thrones news, uh, we had another... So basically, I've heard a lot of people compare this episode, the second episode, to episode 1A and episode 1B. This set up what is about to be the biggest battle scene between the Night King and the rest of the, like, Westeros, or whatever you want to call them. They So for those that don't know, they, they spent, like, built millions of dollars to film this. And it's, it took them, like, two or three or, like, three months or something like that to record it. It's going to be the event of a lifetime and if you're not a game of thrones fan but you just love good action and good fighting i would definitely still tune in on sunday night at 9 p.m to watch it now now let me give let me let you have a chance to give a prediction here are they going to wrap up the battle in episode three or are they going to carry it over to episode four i think they're going to wrap it up and i think it's going to actually end up having them defeat night king and then just from there from that point on it's going to be the rest of the people who are actually alive, like battling to see who actually is going to take the throne in the end. Huh. I may just tune in for that battle. That might. Did, that... Did, 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 sorry to cut you off. Did Matt actually uh, hang up? No. Matt, you still no, there? I'm, I'm here. He's here. <laughs> <laughs> just checking. Uh, your thoughts on Game of Thrones, Matt? I know you want to get it off your chest uh, that you don't watch it. No, like you selling it that way. That's kind of how I've tuned in to, like, say, the Avengers or some other franchises like that. It's just seen one so maybe this one episode i i could tune in i wouldn't want to know like any background i wouldn't be that guy that likes who, who's that who's that guy who's that you know i'll just watch it for the entertainment part well i do know and i don't even watch the show as you know but i i keep up to date on my computer and uh from what i understand last night's show this girl that started out game of thrones back at the very beginning as a, an 11 or 12 year old now about 20 21 uh, she gave her virginity to one of her soldiers or somebody jared right old man saying that you just had right there. Yeah, I don't really watch the show, but I keep up with it on my computer. <laughs> First off, wait, wait, wait. What were you watching this uh, scene on, on your computer? Uh, it was it was some entertainment site. I don't know. 
I, I get I get a lot of my news on the computer on MSN, and I'll do a little clickbait here and there. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, uh, and people get their entertainment from other sites as well. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was a jaw-dropping scene, and it's weird because I'm, I'm about the same age as her, but it's you still feel like you're like her father figure or yeah. something. I, it's hard to explain. I don't know. It was, it was a little much to see that scene, but that's what you get for Game of Thrones. All right. Well, before we wrap up this segment, and we're getting a little long again, uh, Matt works for ESPN. Uh, one of the great franchises you guys have is 30 for 30s. Another another good one with Junior Seau. You talked about the CTE earlier. Uh, what a sad story, but it was a well-done documentary on Junior Seau. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched it too. Uh, obviously, if you if it's a thirty for thirty, you know it's going to be really good, like you said. But but this one, I mean, man, they uh, with the interviews with the his ex wife and his children, and just hearing them talk about how he changed. Yeah, he retired. His manager and you know some other friends just talk about the personality change and some of the signs that they wish they would have picked up on. You know, yeah, it's kind of scary. Like to be honest with you. To think that it kind of makes you think, I don't know, maybe this is like thinking about it too seriously, but, you know, we sit here and like glorify these guys for smashing heads on Sunday. You know, we go crazy on big hits. We tell guys to rub dirt on it, get back out there and go play. And then you see stuff like this and I don't know, it just makes me think like, man, it's kind of selfish as a fan to sit here and like cheer on these guys while they're sitting there uh, destroying their lives basically out there on the football field. It's kind of barbaric. It is. It is. We've talked about it before. I mean, you know, you got you got pro football players, and it's in the it's really at the top of the news about the CTE. But you know, then you have UFC fighting. What do you think the long term effects are on those guys or boxers? You know, and I mean, it's just that's all they do is try to hit each other in the head. Yeah, it has to be similar. I don't know if there's been any studies done on former uh, MMA fighters or anything, but but yeah, I mean, just it's it's kind of crazy and just I don't know. Yeah, that thirty for thirty was really well done. You have you seen it, Jared? No, I haven't seen it yet. Is it on the ESPN Plus? Is that where it was uh, dropped? Uh, I watched it just on ESPN. Wow, no. yeah. Yeah, it was on ESPN. I, I but all the thirty for thirties are on ESPN Plus. Well, there you go. It's worth the watch. I think so. Like you said, Matt, they're all worth the watch. They're so well done. It's, yeah. it's some of the best stuff you guys do for sure. Definitely. And finally, let's see what's going on with one of our favorite athletic supporters, Jack Strap. Hey, fellas, long time no see. Matt, Fred, Jerry, let's talk some sports. Spring is in the air, so let's talk baseball. As you know, at age 89, I'm as old school as they come, but I'm 100% against this current unwritten rule of baseball that says if you hit a home run, simply touch all the bases and go back to your dugout quietly. You can expect a bean bar the next time up if you celebrate with too much vigor. Well, last week, Chicago White Sox rookie Tim Anderson drilled a home run into the left field stands, and he enthusiastically tossed his bat, much to the dismay of the Kansas City Monarchs. Can you believe that? So during his next at bat, he was nailed in the backside by a Dan Quisenberry 95-mile-an-hour fastball, igniting a bench-clearing melee. Really? 
Come on, what a bunch of cowardly hypocrites. We all know the legend of the great Bambino, Babe Ruth, who has been hailed as a baseball god, and rightfully so, he's tremendous. Who can forget, though, guys, back in 1932 with his called home run shot? It's legendary. It was the fifth inning of Game 3 in the World Series against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. Legend has it he stood in the batter's box and taunted Cubs pitcher Ferguson Jenkins by pointing his bat to the right field bleachers, basically saying, hey, that's where I'm going to put the ball there, Fergie. So he not only proceeded to hit a monster home run, but he taunted the pitcher as he waddled around the bases like a penguin who just ate a walrus for lunch. And did the Cubs pitcher attempt to bean him with a fastball his next time up? Hell no! So why are modern players so worked up by what they perceive as dirty ball? Ever see a pitcher pump his fist? Come on. Last time I checked, Mark Fidrich was one of the most beloved pitchers to pitch or play the game. And his appeal was his passion for the game. We loved him. Let's not eliminate the passion, guys. Come on. I'd be excited, too, if I was a rookie in the major leagues who just hit a home run. And as a fan, it's fun to watch. I realize the evidence is circumstantial if you're an umpire or you're trying to decide whether a throw is intentional or not, but someday in the litigious society we live in, some smart major league player may decide to file a criminal lawsuit to grab the attention of Commissioner Bowie Kewen. It could happen, guys. Pitchers today throw 100 miles an hour with a fastball. And if thrown at the batter, I'd call that assault with a deadly weapon. Professional sports are all about entertainment. Anderson's intention with the White Sox was not to show up the pitcher. Rather, it was a spontaneous celebration. Like the time last summer when I ran naked to the Chi-Town Dam. It was just innocent fun, fellas. Okay, sure, I had a few drinks, but, you know... I'm feeling a little nostalgic tonight. I think I'm going to take my first leak off my back deck when I hang up the phone here, and I'm going to run naked with my bean balls down to the dam and back to kick off the baseball season. Let's play ball! Okay, guys, that's it for now. And if you enjoy the show, share Three Point Podcast with all your friends and family. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, or other great podcast hosting sites. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Three Point Pod. Thanks again to our Three Point Podcast partners, Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty and Auction Company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Corona Connection, and Card Service Michiana. Thanks also for our special guest, Pierre, for joining us. Give him a follow at Detroit Lions Fan Page on Instagram and at DLFP Tweets on Twitter. Also be sure to check out our friends at Sports Radio Detroit and Midwest Sports Network for their great program, including Three Point Podcast. And uh, once again, this has been a Three Point Podcast production in conjunction with Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast. Steps I covered down in peanut dust. Friday night spotlight and that was 
sucks, it might not have been you, but I can't judge, just be proud of what makes your country. Does it run in your blood? Did it come from your daddy and mama? Were you converted by an Alabama song on the radio that feels so right? Did you lock eyes with a little green-eyed girl from Jackson?